Of course, an incredible season would have produced some incredible drives. We'll take a look back at the top 10 drives of the season. Welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast. Hosting today will be me, Owen Medford, and joining me are sports journalist, Louis Edwards. Hello. And Tom Downey from the Everything F1 podcast. Hello. So today, as I say, we've been gone through our panellists and got their best 10 uh, drives of uh, 2021. And then we will, basically, we've tossed all the scores up, uh, calculated it using a very, very scientific process called Excel. And we've come up with what we think are overall the best 10 drives of the season. Um, we'll start with the, the one that was least highly rated out of the 10 that we came up with. We've got Alonso in Hungary. And Louis, what was it about that drive that made it sort of so, so noteworthy? To, to make it to our top 10? I think, I think it's, 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 a, it's a quite a simple answer. This is a battle with Hamilton and the fact that Alonso, you know, coming into this year as a, as a rookie, you know, managed to, you know, step up to someone like um, Lewis Hamilton and keep him behind. But, you know, in all seriousness, it is mega defending. Lewis Hamilton was on an absolute charge that entire race, having started, no, well, not at the back, but at the front, but on his own then dropped to the back in what was a very, very strange race. And if it wasn't for Fernando Alonso's performance in that race, I think we could pretty much guarantee that his teammate, Aspen Ocon, probably wouldn't have won that race because the amount of laps that Hamilton just couldn't get past Alonso. He was trying and trying. He tried everything through absolutely everything at it. And just he just couldn't get past in the end. But he did eventually get past. But the fact that he was held up for that long prevented him from going on to win that race. And while Alonso may have sacrificed himself, sacrificed his um, his own race for his teammate, it still was a very, very good drive. And one that has shown that even though Fernando may be getting on in the world of Formula One, he is still as good as he's ever been. Yeah, as we said, uh, as we said, I think a couple of weeks ago, he's uh, he's doing incredible things despite his age, which is kind of an incredible thing. As is Max Verstappen coming in at ninth with his drive in the Netherlands, Tom Downey. Now, to me, it was a bit more of a muted affair. I thought uh, I don't think it was one of those drives that sort of takes your breath away. But sort of, how did the Netherlands sort of like how how did that sort of mark make make its mark on our minds? I guess in uh, in the season, uh, that Netherlands dive for Verstappen was it was very reminiscent of drives that we've seen from Hamilton sort of ever since he's been at Mercedes, really, until he since 2014, I'd say, in the sense that it was he, he secured pole position on a Saturday and come Sunday, he won effectively, won, he won the race at the start. Basically, Mercedes tried to do an alternate strategy, but Max just Max just did what he does. He dispatched Bottas pretty quickly and then sailed off into the sunset. You know, how many times have we seen Hamilton do that? And we saw uh, we saw Max do it a few times in the 2021 season as well. I kind of agree with you. I don't think it was that spectacular. And I think there was somewhat more pomp and circumstance made of it because it was the first Dutch race that we've had since, what, 1980-something. It, it, it's obviously, the, you know, Max has got a massive following and he was, you know, he was writing, the, he was leading the championship at that point and you know, he just became the first Dutch driver to win a home race and all the rest of it. So I, I think that one was probably more about the event as opposed to the actual race win. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a, that's probably a pretty good theory about it. But nonetheless, yeah, he did actually, maybe because, maybe it was so good just because it was, uh, it, there wasn't an occasion to him. It was just, it was, it was just, 
sort of a, a regular performance for him at the end of the day, which is still pretty outstanding. Now, at number at number eight there, it's something that I wouldn't have rated, actually. I wouldn't have put this as, uh, as, a, as a top performance, really, either. Although that's maybe tainted by the occasion, I guess, and, and some of the antics that happened during it. But we've got Hamilton's win in Saudi Arabia, Louis. What, what, what for you, sort of, is, is special about that drive? And... I guess makes it sort of, you know, put, puts it into that top 10 drivers of the season because, you know, we could have 40 here if, if we really wanted. Yeah, it's it's one that I'm not, considering there is only, you know, there's not many <laughs> sort of places and there's been so many good drives from Hamilton this season that I can name off the top of my head ahead of Saudi Arabia. I'm surprised that this one has come in. I think the fact that he got to the end of that race probably plays a huge role in the fact that it's on this list because that that race was atrocious in so many ways not only the track some of the driving standards not only just from max but from other drivers in the field yeah it was a, it was a very strange race i think i think this has been voted highly this i'll be honest this was definitely not on my i, I didn't even consider it for my my own top 10 i think it's on there purely for the fact that he he got to the end despite everything that Max tried to throw at him. And Max really did throw everything, including his own car uh, at Hamilton that weekend to try and stop him from winning that race. And in the end, he did. But is it is it one of the top 10 drivers of the season, especially number eight? Probably not. I can say that his race in, in Hungary was probably better or maybe even his one in, in Spain as well. I would say is is also better. So um, I'm surprised it's on there, but at the end of the day, it was a win that was crucial for his title hopes. He had to win that race and he went out and won it and closed the gap down to Verstappen, which was much needed at the time. Yeah, you got to the point where uh, everything that Hamilton needed to do was, uh, you know, had to, uh, everything Hamilton did needed to be perfect. And uh well, it wasn't perfect. It, it definitely uh, claimed as close as it needed to be uh, to keep him in the fight, which is, I guess, the most important part. Next, we've got some people... Well, I guess some people wouldn't actually uh, go with this one. But uh, Lando Norris in seventh place with his drive in Russia, Tom. Obviously, he didn't win. But do you think that the mistake he made was sort of more of a team mistake and therefore he kind of wasn't culpable for it, bearing in mind they've got more info? Or do you think that maybe this is placed a bit highly? <sighs> Um, it was so nearly the race of the season, wasn't it? Up until those last fateful few laps. And it was one of those positions where experience and uh, and ironically track position of Hamilton behind him partially led to Lando's own downfall. You know, you know, because McLaren haven't they haven't been you know, obviously they're a hugely successful team. And they've got you know many many years of championships with driver and constructor, but they haven't actually been in a even remotely in a race winning position like that for oh, donkey's years. You know, you know, because we all know what happened from 2015 onwards with Honda. So uh, Lando's still very young as well. He's only what 21, 22. You know, he's barely even got spots, and he's driving an F1 car. So you know, so it, it's something. It's something that he'll learn, and he'll learn from it. Don't get me wrong. I was crushed for him. When when I saw him go wide in whatever turn it was, it was about turn 15 or 16, I think. And and then I and then I saw Hamilton go past him. And then he came over the radio and said, Oh, it's F boys, it's full wets now. 
I just wanted to give him a crutch. I just wanted to just hold him and say, it'll be all right. You'll get the next one. But if you look at the race before that, you know, because Russia, I think we said it at the time that um, that when when you start, if, if you're in second place, you're probably going to end up in the lead unless you're on the same team because first position, first position, first position is going to give you the slipstream. Exactly what it did because signed someone off into the lead and then Lando got the lead back and was controlling the race and yada yada yada. Yeah, it it was a good race up until that point, but the weather just changed so quickly and. He, he just didn't quite make the same position and we saw how quickly the, the weather changed in that one lap. So, yeah, so it was a good race for him, all things considered. Yeah, I guess overall. Um, ironically enough, it's, it's one of those, you say that it's one of those performances that gives you experience, you know, when, when bad things happen to you, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, the same thing that's happened twice for, uh, for McLaren, even, you know, as back as sort of uh, China 2007 um, with Lewis. You know, it, he's, he's said, more recently you know that some there's times within the season where those kind of uh, calls he's always been wary of them since that point and I guess the same will be true of Norris we're sticking with Norris Louis for his performance in the Emilia what is it the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix now he he finished third that race but beyond that it's sort of I I kind of feel bad it's a forgettable but it's just performance that i didn't even think about like is there, can you shed some light on why it's uh why it's up there in sixth i'll be honest it was one of the first that came to mind i i did put um norris's performance at imola in my top 10 over russia i didn't put russia in there at all because not only did he have a great saturday where he almost put it on pole if it wasn't for you know a few millimeters extending track limits he would have put it on the front row so he was demoted in the race he then fought back amazingly, making a brilliant double overtake down the straight on, I think it was Lance Stroll, and I want to say it was one of the Ferraris. I think it might have been Leclerc. It, I mean, the race was almost a year ago, so <laughs> forgive me if my memory's not serving correctly. But, yeah, it was a, it was a huge form, performance. And then when the red flag came out, McLaren gambled, put him on the soft tyre. He was out of the podium positions at that point, and the gamble paid off because then he charged all the way up into second place and then had a good scrap with Hamilton. And he was genuinely only a few, a few laps away, maybe from getting second place and holding off Lewis Hamilton. But in the end, Hamilton was just a bit too fast. I think it was a real defining moment for Lando this season. It really showed the potential that he had right from the off that he is going to be on it this season. He is going to be, he's not going to be a slouch for Daniel Ricciardo at the start of the season. We were all thinking, you know, what can he do against a driver like Daniel Ricciardo? And he, he smoked him. That's, I think that's just a generally accepted fact of last season. And I think that performance at Imola was that catalyst, got a podium only two races into the season. And from there, he had, well, his best season in F1. Yeah, that easily makes it a, a driver of the season. It's almost as if we've uh, we've worked out where, where Tom's going to be because he's got he's got Verstappen for France to uh, to talk about next. Now, again, a forgettable race, but it, it was quite a while ago, so let us off. But Max Verstappen taking the win there, pole and faster slap, so the Grand Slam. Is there anything more you can sort of give to that race? You know, to, just sort of put it in perspective, I guess. That race was Red Bull learning their mistakes from if you look at Spain this year and Hungary, I want to say 2019. I may be wrong on the year of that, but I am fairly certain it was 2019 when Max was leading. They didn't pit him and Hamilton overtook on fresher tyres. 
now the shoe was on the other foot or the tyre was on the other wheel in this case, you could say. And Mercedes tried to leave Bottas out to hold up Max, but even Valtteri Bottas out to defend against a ramp at Max Verstappen is like... It's like tickling a lion, you know, no pun intended. It's just not going to help, is it? You know, it's um. so Max quickly dispatched him and just, yeah, he, it, it, that was just much about the Red Bull victory as it, as it was about the, um, about Max's victory. Also, that race showed the importance of Perez in Red Bull. That was one of the first times we'd really seen him take on that second driver role. And he did everything he needed to. And we saw it more than once in, in the season. And rightly so, that that there is a clear hierarchy at Red Bull. But everybody at the moment certainly seems happy with it. And it it, it, it wonders. It got Max the win that he needed. Because, again, as we saw in 2021, every single point counts. Quite literally, we saw every single point counted. It was a Good win in the sense that Max did to Mercedes what Mercedes did to them earlier that season and in in Budapest. Again, I'm sure it was 2019. I believe you're right with 2019, yeah. That one's lodged in my memory as one of the great sort of Hamilton wins out there. And then we stick out we stick with the with Verstappen for the USA, Louis. Now, this wasn't the easiest win in the world for uh, Verstappen, losing the lead off the start. And it was sort of when we got the feeling that maybe well, Mercedes hadn't got as many upgrades as Red Bull um, during the course of the season. What they did have was, what, what they were seeming to do was um, understand how to extract the maximum out of their car each weekend. And, you know, it could have, like, by this point in the season, it could have very easily flipped the other way and had and had uh, Red Bull on the rope sort of going into the last run of the season. But um, look at this drive, and in that context, what would you make of this drive from Max Verstappen? It was huge for his um, title. I don't think many people expected Red Bull to go to Dakota and win. Been notoriously a Mercedes track where they've done very well. And when Max lost the lead and Lewis took it straight from the beginning, I thought it's over. I thought this is going to be it. Lewis is going to go into a distance. But Red Bull and Max, they played the strategy very well they really made it difficult for Mercedes and for Lewis Hamilton and at the end Hamilton had to pit and he then just had to go for it Max was left out on older tyres Lewis pitted he had to go for it and Max just pulled out an incredible drive he nursed his tyres he made sure that his pace was while it may not have been matching Lewis it was consistent it was good enough that if Lewis got close towards the end of the at the end of the race, he would still have the tyres to be able to fight. And Lewis came close. You know, Max had the issues with traffic. Famously, Mick Schumacher just did not get out of the way in the last couple of laps. And he still managed to hold on. And I think that really showed, you know, Red Bull really meaning business. The title was, you know, close as it was all season. And a lot of people would have thought, as I said earlier, that, that Mercedes would have won that race. And, yeah, I mean, retrospectively, you look back, this season is all about every point. Just like Tom, uh, Tom said, every point mattered. And you can look to any race win or any race result that either Lewis or Max had this season and go, that was where 
it was crucial for them to get this point to stay in the title final here was crucial for Lewis to stay in the title fight. But in terms of the sort of the closing end of the season and then the subsequent run that the Mercedes went on, it does it does show that that win in the US and then again in Mexico a couple of weeks after did probably help Max win the championship. Yeah, you know, as Tom said, it made, you know every point counts. Everything makes all the difference. You know, even you know every place, and uh, and it's just kind of it goes to show that you know you got to pick up. You you you've got to sort of uh, pick up the points where you can get them. And obviously, it helps if they're wins. But Max Verstappen also you know took that one as a win through some excellent driving, and that, and that's what unfortunately you know it's it's that's what puts it in the four our fourth best uh, drive of the season. And now we approach the top three. We've got Ocon in Hungary, Tom. I don't, I, you know, I think a win automatically puts you up in the contention for drive of the season. But, you know, a little bit different to most races uh, as, as we've gone into a little bit early with Alonso. But I think this is a big, you know, what would you make of this race? And, and can you sort of put into context, I guess, what uh, Ocon's win means? Uh, it was one of the maddest races of the season, bearing in mind the season we had as well again there was an element of fortune or misfortune for some others in in that race and not taking anything away from Ocon um, because he did still hold out to win the race but he somewhat lucked into that position you know he he kept his nose clean he managed to avoid getting wiped out by bowling ball Bottas at the start you know, you know, who decided to actually yeet it into about seven different cars and Stroll did the same thing as well, I should add. And then he, you know, aside, you know, aside from Hamilton, everybody came in at the red flag, which I wasn't sure, you know, at, at, at the start, at the time, I wasn't sure if that was the right thing or not. But as we saw very quickly in hindsight, everybody coming in was was the right decision, arguably. So he held a good lead. Alonso did a lot of good work for him to hold off Hamilton fighting behind, you know, Hamilton, Alonso having a battle. Have we seen that in Hungary before? You know, flashback to 2007 intensifies. But, you know, once once Alonso did eventually let him pass, and also with Seb in between Ocon and, uh, Ocon and Hamilton, I don't think Ocon's win was ever really that, in doubt, once it sort of became apparent that Seb wasn't realistically going to catch him and was more focused on keeping second ahead of Hamilton, the writing was pretty much on the wall at that point. But nonetheless, it was a good win. He still got himself into that position in the first place. Whether he looked into it or not, I know I'm basically contradicting what I just said, but he still won a race, you know, in, in one of the sort of most dominant eras we've pretty much ever seen. Um, so you know he still did well to win and to, and to hold off for the win. And let's not take anything away from that. Yeah, it's a good point. And uh, you know it, it's entirely possible that he could have backed off, and the win would have gone away from them because they'd have been caught by Lewis. You know they had to push the entire time, and, and that's probably what made the difference. Next, again, it's it's probably a little bit tainted by the rest of the race, but we have Louis uh, Ricardo in Italy. I don't think it's. I'm not sure. Is it the first win? No, it's is it the first win in a while for McLaren? I think it might be. It's McLaren's first win since 2012. 2012, it's Jensen Button in 2012. There we go. Thank you very much for that. Uh, so first win in nine years. That's got to mean something, even if the two fastest guys on track weren't there to make your life more difficult. Yeah, but I think even if even with Hamilton and Verstappen in that race, I don't think Daniel was really in trouble. I think it was only, I would say, 
I would argue that maybe Norris's position in that race may have been in trouble, but I don't think Ricardo really would have suffered all that much. He looked very quick in the sprint uh, in the sprint race uh, on the Saturday, and then he took the lead straight off um, off. I think it was Bottas at the start of the race, and then he he never really looked back. That McLaren that weekend was incredibly strong, like we saw the year before. McLaren just seems to to love Monza and Ricardo, who'd been having a pretty mediocre season up to that point, you know, really started to to show us why he is still regarded as one of the best drivers on the grid. Because regardless of what you think of Ricardo's season or even the last maybe three years for, for Daniel Ricardo, he is still an incredibly talented driver. And he showed that. He he pulled it out of the bag when he was having a disappointing season. And he won a race quite comfortably and headed a McLaren 1-2, which is, is also the first McLaren 1-2 in pff, God knows how many years. So I think it was not only just a significant achievement for McLaren that they got their first win in nine years, but for Daniel Ricciardo, I think it does deserve to be top three driver of the season because he was fantastic. Yeah, almost a redemption story as well for a guy who looked like maybe actually after his stint at Red Bull that he was uh, he was on the decline, and then obviously that you know <laughs> what you had to do at Renault. Right, I'm, I'm just before we get into the, the basically the number one driver of the season, I'm just going to give you guys like a, I'd like to give you guys a chance to uh, to pick out a sort of an honourable mention that you think um, hasn't seen enough light shed on it. Uh, and hasn't been picked out just through the uh, through the process we've gone to to pick up this list. If we start with you, Tom, is there is there any sort of honourable mentions of races that you think uh, of drive? Sorry, that you think could have done could have uh, been featured on this list? Oh, that's a good question. I'm having to think. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Perez in Turkey because he put up a real battle with Hamilton, and they were they were so close to making contact they didn't make contact because they're both very 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 good racers and Perez showed his worth and why Red Bull A signed him and B kept him on bearing in mind he's not used to the philosophy of that car at all and he's competing against Hamilton who was obviously you know, one of the best we have ever seen so yeah so, so I, I, I think I think that was a sort of real unsung race Do you have anything that you'd, uh, you'd put up there? Uh, to be honest, I'm torn between two, but I have quite a fairly obvious one and then another one that may have gone a bit more under the radar. And I think I'm going to go with um, my under the radar one, which, again, is going to stick with Sergio Perez but in Bahrain. Uh, as far as I'm aware, I was the only person in our entire Grid Talk roster to actually to even put this one forward. But the fact is that it was his first season, at, uh, first first race, with Red Bull, his engine gave out on the formation lap. Uh, his car completely shut off, sent to the back of the grid. And then Perez did what he did best and goes from the back of the grid and he goes to fourth in a drive, which I think has been more or less forgotten in that race due to the absolute monster battle that we saw on track between Hamilton and Verstappen. But... There was a lot of question marks over Perez. Could he make it in a top team? How well is he going to do? How well is he, you know, is he going to perform up to Max? And over the course of the season, while he may not have, you know, been on par with Max, he has put in some great um, drives, like Tom said, in in Turkey. And then I think Bahrain 
really showed that Perez was not here to to mess around at Red Bull. He was he was there to compete. He was there to drive, and I think it was definitely one of the most underrated drives of the season. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to add my own in because uh, I can. I'm going to go with Hamilton Hungary. That's my honourable mention. That's the one I should I think should be on this list, but uh, but isn't. You know, obviously, it's easy to say, well, yeah, one of the fastest cars and five people were out of that race. And, you know, including it, that he's, you know, at the behest of his teammate and, uh, and Lance Stroll, as we've been into, you know, obviously one of the best drivers in the world. But he, and he got held up by Fernando Alonso during it. But basically, my, my take on it is that, yeah, all that may be true. They clearly made the wrong decision when it came to the tyres. And possibly, you know, some might say he should have pitted the same as everyone else but I think you know the, the the call that they made to stay out take the race start even being the only driver on the grid there you know at least to sort of bought them a few seconds uh, worth of reduction of the gap and the Hungarian is not an easy place to take overtake around and yet Lewis Hamilton made, managed to make it all the way up to second when time and time again we've seen Valtteri Bottas obviously wasn't there in that race but in a different uh, in, a, in a, the, exactly the same spec car has had an awful time um, following people and has never really gone forward uh, if he's if he's put out of position and as we'll probably get into as we'll get into uh, you know Lewis Hamilton every single time manages to gain positions and I think a second uh, out of Hungary was uh, you know as, as we've said, as seen before every position matters and the fact that he you know the fact that he actually managed to get second and keep the you know keep that time that type championship fight alive while it wasn't necessarily the uh the nicest of occasion like sort of uh, circumstances for him to be in particularly with the championship you know i think that's a that's a massive uh, feather in his cap and uh, and deserves to be down there but now we'll move on to what we thought you know what our panelists thought was the best drive of the season and all but one person has picked it <laughs> um Although the person that hasn't picked it is Tom, and he's put it in second anyway, is Lewis Hamilton's drive to a win in Brazil. Kind of outstanding, really. I won't say too much more about it because I'd like to start. I think with Louis. I'll, I'll, I'll give you both have a have a crack at it. But um, what did that mean to the championship and to Lewis Hamilton's uh, sort of standing? Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see why Tom didn't put it as number one. But um, honestly, it was a it was a great drive. Not only. A, on the Saturday in the sprint race, but also Sunday in the main race. So many things were thrown at um, Hamilton the entire weekend from being disqualified to then um, also having a penalty because of it was engine penalty. Yeah, everything was being flung at Hamilton that weekend. But wow, did he <laughs> deliver when needed with that fresh engine in, the, in that car? He stormed through the field. He did absolutely everything he needed to when it really did look bleak for him. And Max was up to his games as always, but Lewis didn't bat an eyelid. He took the lead from Max and he won the race. And he showed just just how good he is, you know, under immense pressure. You got to remember, this was was it three races from the end of the season. This was crunch time for Hamilton and having being disqualified and sent to the back, it's never a good thing. He was fortunate. You can argue that he was fortunate that he had the sprint race to gain some positions, but the fact he went from all the way back to fifth in a, in a sprint race, which is a third of the distance of the race itself, was incredible. Then he gets put back another 10 places um, and still comes home uh, to win the race. 
is just remarkable under so much pressure, just under, I don't know, the, <laughs> the amount of expectation that Mercedes would have thrown at him. And uh, like you said, Wayne, the fact that Bottas was kind of dithering around when he kind of lost out at the start and not doing much. And within like 10 laps of the race, Hamilton was being, you know, Bottas was being ordered to let uh, Lewis by and uh, as he continued on with his race. So it truly was a driver of the season. And while all that effort may seem to be in vain in the end with the way that the championship played out, you, you can't deny that. Yeah, Lewis didn't throw absolutely everything at that championship to try and win it. You know, absolutely amazing uh, effort. Tom, is there any reason you didn't put it as your uh, top drive? Right, before anybody gets out the pitchfork, just hear me out on this. Uh, I haven't got a pitchfork. I've, I've only got I've only got pens for. Uh, I've, I've got three pens, but I've only got pens for a strongly worded letter. Got mm. some highlighters to make sure that my points are <laughs> visualized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. The only reason I didn't put it as my number one driver of the season, and I put Ricardo winning for McLaren as my number one driver of the season because of how we won that race. And like we said earlier, Ricardo would have probably won it even without um, Max and Lewis having having a barmy behind him. And yes, I'm trying to skirt around this as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Aren't you glad you don't have your own dedicated Twitter? <laughs> oh yes. Yeah, because uh, it would be. Uh, I think right now, my inbox would be blowing up with the uh, with Hamilton. Idiots. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, that's one way of putting it. Um, yeah. No. The only reason I didn't put Hamilton was because of that Ricardo win. If Ricardo wouldn't have won, hands down, it would have been Hamilton that race. I'm sure most people listening to this know I'm a Max fan, but I just echo everything Louis said. That race, uh, that whole weekend for Hamilton. His back was against the wall. Everything was going against him. It, it was shit or bust, basically. And he did, you know, he put in one of the, not just the qualifying, which then got disqualified on a rules of rules, aren't they? But was, when was the last time we saw a disqualification for something as specific as that, aside from Vettel's fuel thing in Hungary? You, you know, that qualifying lap was sensational. So then get sent to the back of the grid to then make up what, 14, 15 places in the sprint event, then be sent back to P10 for a engine penalty to then get up to P2 and to, and to then pass Max for the lead, even after Max ran him out of track at turn four. Yes, I'm a Max fan, but no, Max was in the wrong and I think Max ran him out of track. Yeah, I'm, I said it and I stand by it. I, Max Write it down. Dead. Write it down. Yeah, I know, yeah, quick. Yeah, clip it, clip it. It's a good thing we're not on Twitch, honestly. Yeah, no, um, so that whole race, the manner in which he went about it, because we all know that Hamilton is, he's adored by the Brazilians, by the majority of the Brazilians. And we know how much Hamilton sort of idolised Senna. You know, you look at his old helmets, they were very much Senna-inspired. So for Hamilton, that was very, very close to a home win, if you like. Um, And I think the first time he won in, Brazil was 2016, I think. I don't think he had won there before that. That race and that weekend for Hamilton was just... We've seen how good he is on countless occasions. We've seen when he will put in a storming lap on a Saturday. Sunday, he'll get a good launch off the line, and then he'll put the cruise control on, toss around for a Sunday drive, probably pick up fastest lap, stand on the podium, tell everybody hashtag blessed, 
and then move on to the next weekend. But this weekend, no, no, it, it was like, right, you need to do something. And he turned around and he said, do you know what? I'm going to do it. Sit down and watch me. And he put on a show. Boy, did he put on a show, especially on the Saturday. He just stormed his way through the field. You know, he, 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 yes, he had a new engine. Yes, you can say what one about the car. But we never saw Bottas doing anything like that. And he still had to overtake people. Yeah, okay, Brazil, you know, it is a slightly easier track to overtake, quote-unquote easier. But he still had to get past all these cars. And look at some of the names that he was fighting with. You know, he had to overtake Sebastian Vettel, four-time world champion, Fernando Alonso, Kimi Raikkonen, Nikita Mas... Oh, no, wait, no. It was just... I'm just thinking, Max Verstappen, twice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, he overtake Max, world champion, Twice, so uh, you know, I'm surprised it wasn't turning on Swiss and not really that I would know that it'd be like, like just, just hashtag, you know, hashtag just Lewis Hamilton things the way he sort of did that whole weekend and then set in tone the running that we had for the rest of that season. Yeah, uh, I guess it's easy to pull off drives when it's when it's all going well. Like you know, it's it's very it's you know it's easy to sit there out front with the best car in the world and blitz the field, but when everything's gone wrong. And you think maybe this, maybe maybe the pressure, you know, four races to go where the pressure's getting to you, but you know, it might be starting to turn against you. Still, to pull out, arguably, yeah, arguably the drive of his career is probably what you know is what is what puts it up there uh, for us. You know, champ, definitely a champion's drive, and and that's why it's our drive of the season. So those basically are our uh, our best drives of 2021. If you've got any sort of um, difference of opinion, maybe the ones that you should, felt should have made it onto here, onto here that we didn't see. You know, please uh, get, please put uh, respond on Twitter, and you know, we'd love to have that conversation. We normally just during the race weekends uh, stream the uh, the show live on YouTube, so be sure to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel Formula One Grid Talk, and ring the bell icon so you're notified of fu- uh, for that and future shows. We yeah, so we're now available on Verbal as well as Amazon Music, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Omni Studio, and Pocket Cast. Just search F1 Grid Talk. We have a large back catalogue of shows of over 160 sorry episodes, including interviews with Mario Isola from Pirelli. Um, those will be interesting to listen to based uh, based on the new uh, tires that we're getting this year. They've uh, they've called an outstanding achievement, and uh, also retrospective pieces on uh, pieces on Tiregate, which are good to look at when those uh, when those tremendous achievements inevitably go wrong. Uh, and Senna, and if you still stuck with what, for what to do with between shows, check out our subreddit uh, F1 Grid Talk to give us suggestions for what we can do to improve the show, and perhaps subscribe to our Patreon for mics, lights, and better recording equipment equipment for our presenters. Thank you very much for watching, and goodbye.